if you try to solve hurt with more hurt or you try to solve hurt with just getting things done and pushing it down, it always makes it worse. Always. It creates a structure. It creates a way of being that doesn't allow you to break through things. It's because that wasn't you driving at that point. That was your body's total animalistic reactionary system just trying to keep you safe. Hello, my fellow humans, and welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Happy Human Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Levitin, and every week I bring you discussions on topics to help you build a healthy mind, a happy body, and hopefully become an all-around better human. Because a rising tide raises all ships, and better humans make a better humanity. Remember, we're all in this together. If you want to keep on this journey with me, you can subscribe to the Healthy Happy Newsletter, a weekly Friday email where I send out tips and tidbits of the things that I've been learning about and powerful quotes and just general helpful resources that I think will help you on your journey. It's completely free and the link to register is in the show notes. If while you're listening today, you're enjoying what you hear, take a second and snap a quick screenshot and upload it to Instagram and tag me at Paul Levitin so I can share in your enthusiasm and repost it to my audience. It really makes my day to see these. And if you get value from today's show, don't forget to share this episode with a friend or family member so that they can get some value along with you. And with that, it's time to start today's episode. Let's go and let's grow. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of introducing you to Alan Muliger. Alan is a coach specializing in mindset and psychology, and this episode was especially fun and important for me because Alan was actually my coach. That's right, I worked with him personally and learned a lot from him over the course of a year. So I know that he knows what he's talking about. After attending his first personal growth seminar at the age of 18, Alan has spent nearly a decade searching for the keys, tools, and strategies that unlock boundless energy, happiness, and fulfillment in the lives of those he serves. These tools have helped him lead sales teams to record-breaking years, business owners to their best ever months, and to even rekindle some sparks in his clients' relationships along the way. If he's not speaking or coaching, you'll find him playing piano, traveling with friends, or riding his motorcycles around California. Alan is incredibly smart, and I'm honored to call him a friend and a mentor. And now, I'm excited for you to get to learn from him as well. So here it is. All right, Alan, I'm so excited to be having you here today. People who obviously no one knows this because <laughs> I've never talked about this publicly, but Alan was personally my coach for, for quite some time. So we've talked a, a lot in a one-on-one -on -one capacity and I know how valuable all of the things that you have to say are. So first of all, I just want to thank you for, for being here today. I'm, I'm really happy to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Really, is an honor. <laughs> The first place that I want to start off is I want to ask you about energy and how important is someone's energy in dictating the flow and potential success of their life? Sure. Energy. So in a nutshell, energy is everything. So for me, when it comes to someone's success in life or, you know, how happy they are, how it doesn't matter, just any, in any metric that measures how we're doing in life, I believe that energy is the starting place of everything. Yeah. Example would be this is like, if I have incredibly low energy or what I would call incredibly low state, any decision I want to make, any thought I'm going to have, any action I'm going to take is going to match the energy I currently have. Um, but if I'm in a really, if so, if, if I like example, if I'm in a low state and let's say that my shoulders are drooped, my head is down and I've just not been doing much all day. I've been eating like crap <laughs> in a small place. And then someone says, Hey, Alan, um, would you be down to go and start a business with me? 
100% of the time, the answer is going to be no. <laughs> it's, it's going to be, and there's going to be all these reasons why not. Oh, you know, I'm too tired or I'm just not smart enough. I'm just not good enough. I just can't do this, can't do that. But when we have a ton of energy on the opposite side of the spectrum, okay, it doesn't matter what it is. If I've got, if I am taking care of myself, I'm really happy, joyful. I've really conditioned my state to be in a place where I am just on it all the time, not all the time, but on command at the very least. Someone says, hey, I've got this business idea. At the very least, if you have more energy, you'll be at least intrigued. You'll be ready for the possibility, let alone decide, yes, I want to go do something. So to me, our energy, what we have and how much energy we've cultivated is going to determine really our entire reality, in my opinion. So something that you just mentioned was like shoulders being slumped. And this is something that you had me do uh, when we were coaching together was be like, all right, get up and like, like be loud, scream, different things, different activities (laughs) that you had that, 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 that you, that we would do. And so when I'm thinking of energy though, especially before working with you and just in general, I would think of it more of just like a, a theoretical thing, like the, like, like, like the energy inside of me or my energy for the day. But it sounds like to me that you're talking more of like a literal physical representation of energy. So how does that play out? Like what, what is it about our physical body? Like, and how does that play into like our energy? Yeah, that's a great, yeah. Great distinction there. So when I'm talking about energy, I am talking about our actual physical energy and I'm talking spiritual energy and I'm talking emotional energy. There was something I learned a while back from, from a couple of like coaches and, and experiences that I was going through that the mind, the body and the spirit, all three are connected. So if the body has tons of energy, so will the spirit. If the, if the spirit has tons of energy, so will the emotions, all those things together, it's all connected together. So the, when I talk about the body, our, our, sh- our shoulders slumped and head down, what I'm talking about is really the easiest component that we have control over to be able to start influencing our energy right away. So as an example, if I, you know, we've done this, we've done this in our coaching calls as well, but like, as an example for you and for the listeners, if I were to have you really quickly, if you're sitting down listening to this podcast right now, if you were to slouch your shoulders forward, if you were to put your head down, if you were to intentionally let your eyes just kind of glaze, just not really focus on anything. If you were to imagine yourself saying something, just imagine yourself saying it just kind of low slow, quiet. And if you're, if you are sitting down, go ahead and put your hands in between your legs and just kind of sit in that posture for a second. In that moment, as you're sitting in that posture, focusing on that thing, is your energy going up or is it going down? Which one Paul for you? Yeah, it's, it's going down. And actually when I put my shoulders down and my head down at first, I, my, my mouth frowned, like instantly it just, I just <laughs> into like a frown. Yeah, I saw that. So and now, now, we'll, now what we'll do really fast just to get, just to get that energy out. We'll just shake your body out, shake your body out, whatever you got to do, move your head, move your body, whatever it takes. Okay. Now what I want you to do is instead of sitting in that posture, I want you to sit in a way where your shoulders are back, chest is out and not in a way that it's obnoxious, but in a way that feels strong. Like the word I want you to focus on is strong, powerful, owning yourself, et cetera. So shoulders back, chest out, head forward, focus your eyes on something, breathe the way that you would breathe if you were totally and entirely confident. Now, as soon as we do this, as soon as you put your body in this posture, where does the energy go up or down? Right up instantly, right up instantly. So this is, so physiology, when I'm talking about our energy here, it's, it's an an energy work in general and how much we have, it's understanding all the little bits and pieces that go into us having energy. And it just so happens that your physiology, what you're doing with your body is the fastest path to uh, being able to change the energetic state that you're in. So because we have the physical the spiritual, the mental, what really you're saying is that all of these things matter 
but we have the most instant connection and maybe most control over the physical in the moment. As in like, exactly like you just said, like you can tell me slump your shoulders, sit up straight. It's much harder to say, you can tell someone like, Hey, feel better, be happier, but it often doesn't work like that. So in order to affect those things, a great place to start is with the, the, the physical. Yes. A hundred percent. And by the way, there are people that, you know, if I were to ask you, you can get into states where I could ask you, be sad. And you can get yourself sad instantly or be happy and you can get yourself happy instantly. It's possible to train your body to be able to also respond quickly. It just so happens that for the average person, that kind of training, it's, it's either not their focus or they're not going to go do that. So the fastest and easiest, lowest barrier to entry is the body, is the physiology. And there was a study that was done a while back. I can't remember um, exactly the time, but it was a study that psychologists were doing when they were trying to understand this tie between our emotions and our bodies And one of the things they did to see, well, okay, when we're happy, we smile, but can it be the other way around? So they wanted to find a way with these participants, of course, in a blind study, you want to get them to smile, but not tell them they're smiling because then you can ruin the study. So they said, well, how do we get people to smile without asking them to smile? So what they did is they had them hold a pen in their mouth. And if you try to hold a pen in your mouth, um, just in between your teeth, you'll end up like, just like a (laughs) gap. If you hold it to the point where your teeth are clenching over that, what'll happen is your muscles that are used to smile, most of them get activated. And they had these people in this study, just hold the pen in their mouth for uh, in between their teeth for 30 seconds. And after they were done holding the pen in their mouth, they would have them fill out a questionnaire. And amongst all the questions in there, one of them was, um, they took one before they put the pen in their mouth and after, and one of the questions just gauged their general happiness. And every single one of them who put the pen in their mouth in that 30 seconds said they generally felt a little bit happier for no reason. And in the video the capture they did, every single one of the people, when they took the pen out of their mouth, they were still smiling when they took the pen out. So they were like, okay, there's evidence to be shown here just from, just from the questionnaires and just from the physical evidence on their face that our physiology can impact quickly our emotions. So yeah, it's, it's just like really fast, like a little science on that too, how that works. Yeah, that's super interesting. And and uh, there's all these, these different studies like that, that show real world evidence of changes like that. You, you can't, you can't smile and be angry at the same time. You can't hold gratitude and be anxious at the same time. And we kind of inherently know these things. And yet people, and when I say people, I mean me, fight against this stuff tooth and nail. It's so hard. I can make myself happy just by smiling for 30 seconds, but we disregard this stuff almost instantly. And as a culture and a society by the boatload, right? Most people like this, you're talking about something that should change humanity. And yet most people have never heard about stuff like this. So why do you think it's so hard for people to accept what is not just opinion, but literal scientific fact? Yeah, I'm seriously so thankful you asked this question. So it's actually none of our faults. It's not something we do consciously. It's something that happens unconsciously. So over the past seven years, eight years of my life, as I've been going to all these events and whatnot, like going to Tony events and going to all these personal growth events, you know, you notice this cycle where you attend the event and you get this massive lift of energy. You're like, I'm unstoppable. And then all of a sudden you go home and a couple months later, it wears off. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I want that energy back. Let me go to the next event. And then the next event, let me hire a coach. Let me go do a program. And it's this up and down cycle of, of like trying to get that high again, trying to get that buzz and being at the, at the total, what do you call it? The, the, um, the mercy of the, the coaching industry of just trying to keep yourself in a good place. 
And after me doing that for seven years, I was like, there has got to be a better way. Why do I keep falling down? Why do I keep ignoring the stuff I'm being taught? And there was one particular practice that I, that I'm in as the whole answer to this question is there was one particular thing that I heard from a speaker a long, a couple of years ago. And at this point, when he was sharing his, when he was going up and talking, I think he was just talking about sales stuff. What I just noticed about him is that he had that kind of just energy where it was totally perpetual. It was totally like an ultimate flow. It wasn't stopping. And I was like, how the hell is this guy so on all the time? Because here I was giving speeches, honestly, being really real with you for a while, Paul, was just faking the happiness, faking the energy, faking it, trying to show people it's possible, but not actually feeling it myself because I was still stuck in that same trap that you're describing. And he said something in his talk as he was just totally in flow. And he said, this one quote I'll never forget. He's like, at the end of my speeches, when someone would come up to me and they would give me a critique about my speech, I used to uh, get really bothered by it. And I didn't realize the reason I was getting bothered by it is because my cup wasn't full. It was about halfway full. And I was looking for other people or other things to fill it up. But when I learned how to fill my cup up all the way till it was overflowing, People would come to me, they'd say things that wouldn't bother me at all. And in fact, I would see their, you know, their critiques or their things as windows into their hearts that I could help them with so I could pour into them. And, he, and this is the part that he said. He said, that's when I learned to go from being outside in to being inside out, cultivating what you desire on the inside so that you can go and have and pour into the outside. And I was like, whoa, that's incredible. What's that? How does that run my entire life? Because I noticed again, I was like, wow, I'm waiting for the world to come to me to make me feel better. So how do I change that? And so as I was going through this discovery, looking at all the past notes, all the past experiences I went to, I discovered this, this trend or this, this spectrum of energy, this spectrum of needs that we typically have uh, from all different levels of psychology, from, from Tony's level of, uh, of human needs psychology, from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I started to notice that depending on the amount of energy we have, we get attracted to particular needs unconsciously. And where your energy lies is going to be what you decide to really focus on. So as an example, I'm not going to go into the, to a full description of this because it is pretty long. But what I will say is this, is that when we're in a low energy state, the two needs that we focus on, that we are really attracted to helplessly, there's not much we can do about it. The two needs that we're, we're stuck in looking at is certainty. So the need to feel certain about what's going on around us. You can also call this security. You can also call this safety. You can call it a lot of different things, but basically just the need for things to be the same around us, to be certain, to be safe. That's the first thing we really focus on unconsciously. The second one is significance. Significance is the need to feel special, the need to feel unique, the need to feel like we have an experience that's, that's different than everybody else's. And people meet this need through a whole bunch of different ways. They can meet it through relatively benign ways, like you know having the best watch collection. They can meet it through really positive ways, like being one of the best, uh, best uh, speakers or, or coaches or lovers that people know. Or they can meet it in ways also that's actually destructive, which is like, I have problems that are unsolvable. Like my, my depression, my sadness is uniquely bad. It's uniquely un, uncurable. I can't do anything about it. And when we get really committed, and again, it's not our fault. It's just a result of our energetic state. When we have that low energy state and we get stuck in that attraction to wanting everything to be safe and wanting to be unique in our experience, that's where it feels almost impossible to make a change. So that's, in, in my, that's personally why I believe we get stuck in those places and it's so hard at times to latch on to this information because we're unconsciously attracted to those ideas, not consciously. So 
if I'm hearing you correctly, understanding, if I, I'm trying to process this stuff as, as you go through it. I understand the need for, for certainty and safety. That's one of the, the greatest human, human needs. And sometimes it can feel like, or it, it can seem like we have that in a literal sense in that, like, I have enough money to survive. I have, uh, I have shelter over my head. So I'm not truly looking for looking for that safety. But if I'm at a lower energy, and my, my subconscious won't let me escape there, it's going to feel unsafe in other ways. Like I'm going to, I'm going to force myself to feel unsafe, even though in a literal sense, I am safe to the outside eye. 100%. And to even go into the example that you just used about money. Okay. So let's really break this apart for a second on this. If you're in a low energy state, and let's say you have millions of dollars, do you know people who are wealthy, who have tons of money, who are still, you know, they're still afraid of losing it? They hire lawyers and they do all this tax law. They do all this stuff to protect their money because they're so afraid of losing it. Do you know people like that? Yes or no? Of course. Or have you heard stories of it? Exactly. So it's one of those things that it doesn't matter. Like you can, you can have things in the outside world. That's fine. Like, but ultimately, the, the real test, the real thing that gives you power over your life is not looking to those outside things for that certainty. Because yeah, again, you can have money, you can have shelter, but the, the most successful people in the world, the most successful business owners, the, the whatever it is, but when I say successful, I don't mean wealthy. That's a really big distinction. I don't mean just having money. Okay. What I mean is actually like really when I define success, I define it in three, with three words, three things. One is having unlimited levels of energy that you can access at any time. The second is having total happiness, which I define as having a life of having it all, which means a life that of everything that you want and nothing you don't want. That's two. And three is having a life of fulfillment, that what you're doing with your life is contributing to something greater than yourself. And so when I define success, it's do you have those three things and to what degree do you have those three, three, three things? Money to me doesn't really have a big impact in that. So when it comes to the most successful people that I know in that definition, it's because they're able to cultivate certainty regardless of their situation, cultivate safety, cultivate that, that faith, that knowing that everything's going to be fine, that they're great, they're loved, they're taken care of, they're ready to go, regardless of their outside circumstances. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So a big distinction then between being low energy and getting to those, uh, those higher energy places would be switching from seek, seeking those answers to whatever it is, certainty, significance, and, and whatever else, seeking it outside of ourselves, And the way to get out of that isn't to actually find the thing, right? Because if I'm seeking quote unquote safety, I think that the answer is to get safety, right? To collect more money, to, to collect more things, to get the better job, to get the promotion. But in reality, what you're saying is that even if I get those things, if I'm in a low energy state, I'm still, I'm never going to, I, I'm just going to keep chasing. I'm going to find a new thing to want. I'm going to find another thing or another reason to be unhappy. Whereas if I were to raise my energetic state, then what, regardless of what I have, I could find that happiness. And then also in a paradoxical way, I'll also find all of that external stuff because now I'm at the, the higher level and my, my, it would just change how I act. It would change a lot of things about what I'm doing in my day-to-day -day life. Oh, a hundred percent. Cause like, Paul, have you ever had a, Have you ever had an income goal that you wanted to hit at one point in your life? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. And when you set that goal of like, I want to make this much per year at one point in my life, if you don't mind me asking, what was that number that you wanted to hit? A uh, hundred thousand dollars a year in my business. Beautiful. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you, have you achieved that yet? Did you hit the hundred K a year yet? No. Gotcha. So let's, let's go for a goal that you set at one point that you did hit. What was the, what was an income goal that you hit or that you set at one point? Um, that you did actually hit it um, when you said it. Sure. $10,000 $10, in a month. 
$10,000 in a month. Beautiful. So when, when we set that goal of $10,000 in a month, when you set that, there's probably this whole thing of like, oh, once I get that, I'm going to be X, Y, Z. I'm going to feel safe. I'm going to be good. Right. It's that, it's that whole story. Let me ask you a question. Once you hit that 10 K, did you have this massive cathartic? Oh, now everything's fine. And I'm totally safe. Did you have that experience? No. I mean, it felt <laughs> no. good, <laughs> it felt good but you know, th- then it was over. Right. Then it was over. And then we go right back to being on the hamster wheel of looking for outside stuff to satisfy our inside needs. So it's, it's, it, we, we have, that happens to everybody. We think that we need $70,000 a year, $100,000. Oh, once I make 150K a year, I'll be totally fine. Then I'll feel safe. And then you get it and you go, wow, this isn't enough. I need 250. And again, it's, it's, it's being stuck in that trap of thinking the stuff on the outside is going to, is what we actually need when it's, you're hundred percent correct. You're, you're tracking hundred percent here is that when you cultivate the state from the inside, not only will everything around you happen the way that you desire it to happen paradoxically, as you said, it also, the, instead of you only having a millisecond of satisfaction and safety at the moment that you achieve it, you end up having happiness and joy throughout the whole journey. And ultimately, I would rather have happiness throughout the entire journey than have just one second of, oh, thank God, and then go right back to fear and, and shame all the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. Obviously, that's the whole point of, of everything that I'm doing here and, and why I wanted to have this conversation. And then the next question then logically, obviously, is how do we go from low energy to high energy? Because I'm assuming, as my listeners will know, my least favorite statement is it's easier said than done. And obviously, if I could just flip a switch and say, oh, okay, well, if the answer to everything is being high energy, well, why didn't why didn't you just say so? And now I'll just be high energy all the time. So what do we need to do? And then what's holding us back? Yeah, 100%. So I would really say it's it's understanding of a few principles. One of them is understanding that you can increase your energy at any time. It's possible to do. Again, when we're in a low energy state, one of the needs we search for is significance. And that when it comes to increasing our energy, Paul, what ends up happening when we're in a state of significance is that's someone automatically, when I say you can increase your energy at any time, someone automatically goes, yeah, but that's not possible though. Not for me, right? Significance. I can't do, there's, there's, there's no way. And they latch really hard onto the fact that, yeah, so nice, easy for you to say, you know, you, you seem super high energy. This is probably just who you are. I got to tell you, I, this is not something that just who I am. I've, I've conditioned this over years to be able to access this. Cause like, wait, I, I function so much better when I have more energy. But so anyway, so, so we have to understand first, the first principle is that we can increase at any time, whether that's through our physiology, through our focus, through who we're spending time with, through having fun, whatever that is, energy can always be increased. That's the first thing we have to really grapple onto. And it sounds simple, but really people struggle with it because when we get attracted to significance, we don't want to believe that's possible. Okay. That's number one. Number two is we have to understand not just how to increase. We have to understand why do we decrease? Why does energy fall back? We've all been pumped up before, but what is it that causes the energy to fall back down when you're done? Okay. And by the way, what I want to be really clear is no one can live in a super ridiculously high energy state all the time. That's not possible. So what I'm not talking about is being totally energy rich all the time. In this particular call right now, I'm being in a high energy state because I wanna be able to transfer information, transfer knowledge and, and energy to your listeners, to you. But as soon as I'm done with this call and I'm done with my coaching, uh, coaching for the day, I'll go back to being more what I would call neutral, not energy negative. So we can, you know, it's, what we're trying to avoid here is how do, we get, how do we not hop into energy negative, okay? So what really falls us, has us fall back 
is really just one thing. There's really only one thing that drops us down into an energy negative state where we get attracted to certainty and significance. And that one thing, it's going to sound super simple, super basic, and everyone's going to go, what? But it's true. There's only one thing that I found with the coaching, the people I've coached, the clients I've worked with, the seminars I've attended, the books I've read, it all boils down to one thing, and that's hurt. When we experience hurt of any kind, our energy is going to drop. Now, hurt can show up in a whole bunch of different forms. It can show up in fear. It can show up in anger. It can show up in sadness. It can show up in depression. It can show up in shame, which by the way, shame is the number one. It's, it's our, if there was a, if there was an ice cream, if there was a really, <laughs> a really shitty ice cream place <laughs> with all the flavors of hurt, <laughs> shame would be the one that we all eat the most. It happens the most with all of our states. It's just how it rolls. <laughs> and so ultimately there's hurt. And when it comes to when I, but I've had tons of clients, like really when people are like, how come I, you know, how come I fall back down immediately in the back of my mind? Already I'm thinking, okay, where are they hurting? Where's the hurt coming from? What, did something happen at one point in their childhood? Did something happen right now where they feel life is unfair? Are they invalidating their entire experience? One of the things that happened, uh, a, 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 um, an example I use with my clients is, you know, you'd be amazed at how much validation and helping yourself feel seen and heard allows you to have this massive energetic lift. So as an example, and this will really segue into how to lift it up even more and how to get through hurt is I'll talk with my clients and say, Imagine that you have a child and your child has to get some homework done and the homework is due tomorrow. It's a lot of homework to do at six o'clock at night and your child is in the corner and they are crying. They are sad. They are fearful. Something is not right. And they really don't want to do this homework. There are two approaches that we're able to take with our child. The first one is shut up, stand up and go do your homework. Okay. The second approach is you kneel down at their level and you say, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Is everything all right? Now, Paul, if this was your child, which one would you choose? The first one or the second one? The second one. Right. We all would. The problem is with ourselves, when we are feeling hurt, when we are feeling afraid, when we are feeling sad, we always, not always, but we very often choose the first. We say, shut up and get to work. Shut up and make that document. Shut up and get things done. Shut up and go to the gym, whatever. Right? We do that whole thing. And the problem is we actually perpetuate our own hurt. So how, if there's hurt in your space and if hurt's always the thing that pulls you down in the spectrum where you can't get back up, what's the thing that allows it to lift up? What's the thing that allows you to go to the other side and, and resolve hurt? And what I found is that there are really only two forces in the entire universe of a human experience. There's only two. And I have to tell you, once I discovered this, life got really simple. And, I, and then like, and like my coaching went up, my income went up, everything, everything changed when I really latched onto this understanding and applied it to every area of my life. And I still make mistakes. I still forget it. It's hilarious because it's so simple, but it changes everything. There are only two forces in the human experience, hurt and love. That's it. And hurt can only be solved by one thing, love, period. We'll go back to the child example. If I see my child hurting in the corner and I apply more hurt to them because I'm looking at myself and being like, I remember when I was a kid and I didn't get my homework done and my parents yelled at me. So now I'm going to yell at my kid. <laughs> okay. The kid's going to keep crying. They're not going to get the homework done. It's going to create more problems. But if I go and love my child, they feel through their emotions. They feel validated in what they're experiencing. They understand that they begin to have the understanding that emotions are temporary, not permanent. 
And then they can move on and then go execute their homework in a, in a really empowered way. The same thing applies to us. If we're feeling hurt, if we're feeling ashamed, if we're feeling guilty, and we apply love to ourselves and say, hey, I totally hear, see, and feel that this hurt that I'm feeling, this anger that I'm feeling is a result of X, Y, and Z things happening in my past. And my body right now is just trying to keep me safe. It's just trying to take care of me. It's just trying to put these big emotions out there to make me feel small. If I'm small, I'm certain. If I'm small, I'm significant in my, in my experience. And it's just trying to keep me safe. And that's okay. I appreciate my body. I love my body. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for me. I appreciate you. All of a sudden, if we acknowledge ourselves for the pain that we're having, it makes so much more space to then be able to go change our state and go and do what we want to do. So to, to answer this, that's my long answer to your question of like, how do you fall down? It's, or how, why, why don't we stay there? It's because hurt gets in our space. And the reason we get stuck there is because we don't actively take a minute to resolve that hurt. Or worse, we look for someone else to do it for us versus cultivating it on our own. I think that that's a great example and analogy. And I love the, the hurt love thing. I, I, I see that as well. So what about if I'm trying to saying I, I'm, I'm giving love, but through the lens of hurt, meaning, quote unquote, tough love, right? So this is in that analogy is my, my kid is crying about the homework that they, they don't want to do. But in my head, I'm thinking, I had to work so hard and I'm still struggling with the job I have because I'm a blue collar dad and I work nine to five and I barely make ends meet. So my love is forcing them to do the work because I want them to do better than me. And I want them to, to get the job, to go to, to go to the college, to do the whatever. So I, I'm, I think I'm giving them love or I'm trying to, but I, I think that, that it has to be done in an aggressive way because I, I want what's best for them. Sure. For me. Then, then what you have to do, so being honest in that example, then what you have to do is take an honest look at yourself and asking, or is your way of trying to nurture your child or love your child in that way, is that a product of your own hurt? Is that a product of your own space? Because what I found, and this is, this is, I found this to be more true than anything, Paul, and this isn't going to be easy for people to hear, by the way, this is, this is direct stuff, is that what I found is that if you try to solve hurt with more hurt, or you try to solve hurt with just getting things done and pushing it down, it always makes it worse. Always. It creates a structure. It creates a way of being that doesn't allow you to break through things. So an example was I was having a call with a phone call with somebody who, me and this person, we really didn't get along, but we had to talk to get, take care of some logistical things because our lives were intertwined in such a way. And so we had to have a conversation to be able to decouple some stuff, okay? To be able to move on to the next stage of our lives. And up until this call, we hadn't been talking for a month and a half, two months. And in that time, I was going through some massive growth. I was starting to have this really massive amounts of love, massive amounts of joy. And everyone that I was serving, everyone I was around, I was able to give so much to them. It was a really beautiful thing. And so I show up to this call. And in this call that I showed up with this, with this person I was talking to, I thought, I was like, I've got all the love in the world. I can totally just be loving with this person. And so I go talk to this person. And I was wrong. <laughs> they said some things that really poked me in ways I didn't like to be poked. And I went from being in a very high energy state, very rich, very loving, very caring, very in contribution. And it, almost within minutes, I went from that loving place all the way down to a place of certainty and significance. One of the ways that we meet certainty and significance is we get angry. Paul, when you're pissed, when you're angry on a scale of one to 10, how certain are you when you're angry? How certain? 
Oh, a hundred percent. I know. I know what's, what's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm right. You're wrong. Okay. And when we're the loudest person in the room, when we're the most angry person, how significant are we on a scale of one to 10? 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Exactly. So when we get pissed, by the way, at somebody or at anything, hear me now. A lot of times we get pissed. Like when you, when you've been in those really angry piss states, have you said something you regretted? Yes or no? Of course. Absolutely. The reason you regret it is because in the moment you're in a very low energy state, a very negative energy state. And once you go back to neutral or high afterward, your spirit goes, why did I do that? Why did I say something so hurtful? Why did I, why, why did I make that happen? It's because that wasn't you driving at that point. That was your body's total animalistic reactionary system. Just trying to keep you safe. Cause if we're angry, if we're pissed, if we push everybody away, then in some level, we're going to be safe after that because we're, we're perceiving danger around us. So I get in that state where I'm super angry, I'm pissed, all these kinds of things, because really, ultimately, I'm actually hurting. And so the call ends. I end it early because I'm like, screw this. I'm done. And I go into this big masculine energy state. I'm like, screw this. I've been to Tony Robbins. I know I can break through my state. Ah, I control my destiny. And I get in my car. I turn music on as loud as I possibly can. I, I drive really way too fast up to this mountain where I'm going to go run down this mountain, up this mountain, blasting music in my ears. I'm just like, I'm going to change my state. I'm going to apply so much energy. I'm going to break through this. I do the whole freaking thing. I'm, I'm screaming and yelling for probably a good 30, 40 minutes. I do the whole run up and down the mountain. I get back to my car. Do you think I felt any better after that? Yes or no? Probably not. Not at, not at all. I got back in my car. And as soon as I got rid of that energy, that push through it kind of energy, I just kind of slumped back in my chair and was like, I still feel like shit. <laughs> and so what I didn't realize in that moment is because I was trying to, so what I didn't, what I didn't, what I wasn't acknowledging was the hurt that I was feeling. And instead of trying to love myself through my hurt and say, hey, it's okay, you know, you're feeling hurt because this person said some things that meant that reminded you of how you were treated as a kid or reminded you of how you felt inadequate when you were in school or whatever. And that's all right. That's just your body keeping you safe. Rather than doing that, I was like, screw this and applied more hurt to my situation and it didn't solve anything. So if we want to quote unquote give tough love, understand something that if we don't love through hurt, hurt will remain, it will stay. And if we're thinking that we're giving love by being quote unquote tough love, we have to ask ourselves, okay, where are we hurting? Where did we learn that you have to ignore your emotions and just push through shit and ignore hurt to be able to make things happen? Because I want to be clear, you, you do have to be able to resolve that emotion quickly. A part of being an adult, a part of being a, a productive person in society is being able to take those emotions resolve them quick and respond, not just be in reaction all the time. However, I would argue that the method there isn't to further shove that stuff down. It's cultivating the skill to quickly love through and quickly resolve the emotions you have so that you can respond accordingly in a state that's going to be able to contribute to the world versus add more hurt to it. Yeah, I appreciate that example. One, because it was more about you versus you, right? The tough love was was towards yourself. And in that example, what kind of I got to that was that basically like you can't flush out hurt with more hurt, right? So like you were trying to angry yell and, and rah, rah, rah. And this is why I'm, I'm don't, I, I don't get me wrong. I would say I love a good like David Goggins rant as much as the next guy. But this is why the whole like quit your bitching and just man up like that's not going to me. <laughs> If it were that easy, it would be done. If I could, oh, okay, sorry. I could just quit bitching and then life would be great. I think that everyone would do that. So 
I appreciate one. I appreciate you saying that. And two, I appreciate that you, anytime that you come on here and talk about your own personal struggles, because as you just said, you study this, this stuff, you are this, you, you're, you're the Tony Robbins guy. You learn this for, for years and you still go through this stuff, which I think is always such a powerful thing for people listening to hear. And the, what I wanted then ask is you just said you have to still be able to react quickly and, and, and not be reactive, be proactive. That's I'm a huge proponent of that. And the question is hurt is faster and more prominent. I'll take my, my hand off the stove very fast versus, you know, like something that, that, that gives me pleasure. It doesn't, I don't react like that. So how do we then find love when the hurt is what's going to push us so much faster? That's such a great question. I have to be really, before I answer, I have to let you know that I am not perfect at this. I still mess this up all the time. But what I've found is really it's, it's a more nuanced approach. Again, if I'm going to sit here and I'm going to subscribe to what you just said, which is that hurt is faster, hurt is easy, more accessible. Okay. Then I'm still practicing uh, a giving into outside in. I'm still giving into, oh, the outside world controls my insides. Understand Becoming inside out isn't a switch that you just get to flip and all of a sudden you're now that way. It's a practice. It's a cultivation. So for what I, for me, what I've noticed is how I've done that is I consistently remind myself always that there are only two forces in the universe. It's funny how our brain will try to intellectualize and it'll try to blow things up, make things so complicated, but that's, it's just, it's not that complicated. It is really this simple. There are only two forces in the universe. Hurt and love and hurt can only be solved by one thing. I repeat that to myself constantly because if we can get things down that simple, when we see someone yelling at us, when we see somebody angry, when someone says something hurtful to us, if you can get that condition in your mind, there are only two forces in the universe, hurt and love and hurt can only be solved by one thing. All of a sudden you look at that person and instead of you looking at them being like, that person sucks and are like what they're saying hurts, okay? We can remember in the moment, that person's just hurting. So just be there. I'll give you a really fast example. So there was a girl that I was talking to that I was with. And basically, I brought some hurt into the space that wasn't, wasn't supposed to be there. And um, I won't go into all the details of it because we don't have a lot of time. But the bottom line was that something happened where I presented some information to her that was presented in a hurtful way. It was a selfish way. Okay. And I'm sure we've all done this. It was for my own purposes to try to look good, try to look like a man, try to create more desirability for myself, try to, you know, be better, whatever it was. And it really hurt her. She was not happy with it. She felt, she was like, why did you say that to me? Why did you, it just really hit her because that hadn't entered our space before. And all of a sudden now the result of my hurt entered in her space and she's feeling hurt. And so when I started to realize what happened, remember hurt and love, only two forces in the universe, right? So I was like, oh, wait, oh no, she's hurting. And now, and the reason I said that is because I'm hurting. So I left the room really fast and I really quick, just did a quick inventory of myself and said, why did I do that? Where did that, where did my hurt come from? And I just attended to it. I gave myself forgiveness for it. I love myself for why I did it. And then had to go clean up my mess with her. So I went over to her. And I just said, I'm sorry. And at that point, all I cared about was holding space, being in a total space of divine love for her, understanding that she's now hurting and there's only two forces in the universe, hurt and love. And hurt can only be solved one thing. Great. That means that I need to be loving constantly, no matter what. And so for 30 minutes, 
for 30 minutes, I just listened to her as she was saying why she was hurt and why it was wrong and how it hurt her and, and how it meant this for her and this and that. And it was a lot of energy that she was explaining, a lot of hurt. But again, I just remained and remembered that one thing stuck in my head. Only two forces in the universe, hurt and love. Hurt can only be so one thing. Love, 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 love. That's it. Love for the sake of loving. Love for the sake of loving. Love for the sake of loving. After 30 minutes of her talking and me just being present and loving her in her process, eventually her shoulders dropped. She melted. She felt heard, she felt seen, she felt understood. And then we were able to work through it, create something new from it. I was able to apologize and say, I won't do that again. And here's why, and all this kind of things. I'm able to communicate. So in, in that particular situation was the first time that I ever really stayed in that loving state, even when somebody was experiencing a lot of hurt at me because of me. But it was because I was able to really hold on to a simple principle that I'd repeated over and over and over again in discipline and did not forget it in the moments of decision. So I would say that's how you do it is it's, it's a practice of really reminding yourself of that truth and cultivating it as often as you possibly can. Is that helpful? Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's super powerful. One, that, that story, right? Because it's like you, one, obviously it was your fault, but you helping her hurt started with you in, internally first. And that yes. goes back to kind of what in the beginning there, you said, which you know me, uh, I over-intellectualize everything, right? And that's what I'm saying like, oh, well, hurt is so much harder to do because it's faster as this and it's that. And it's like, but it's exactly that. I'm trying to take it outside of me and put it and 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 put the onus on, well, you know, oh, it's it's not my fault. It's the, you know, the hurt is just too strong. It's too, it's too fast. It's too, it's too smart. It's too whatever. But as you said, there's only two things is hurt and love. And just having that as the internal dialogue that goes over and over and over it's sometimes the simplest things that are the most powerful. And it's also the simplest things that are the easiest not to do. So, you know, it's, it's just having that reminder, I think, I think is, is going to be, if nothing else, a great takeaway for people from listening to this episode is something that's already helping me. I'm thinking about it right now. And, you know, you've already given us so much, but the last question that I want to ask you before I let you go is if you can give listeners one action step, that they can take right now today, as soon as this episode ends, when they take their headphones out to start living a happier, healthier life, what would it be? That action step would be to go and invest in yourself with whatever it takes. So the reality is, is that this way of being, these ideas, these thoughts, these distinctions, this ability to be able to cultivate this idea of, okay, love always, love into my own heart, love other people, whatever. This is seven years in the making with all these different events that I've been to and things I've studied in. And if ultimately what I really do believe in with the personal growth industry in general is that if you are wanting to make a change in your life, nothing changes if nothing changes. And so if you're sitting in a place where you're like, man, I'm frustrated with this, or I really identify with what Alan's saying about energy and love and this and that and the other thing, or I'm really, you know, I listen to Paul because he, he helps me, you know, find new distinctions and he has all these, these people that help me be happier in life. Awesome. Nothing is going to substitute you investing dollars, money, time, energy in yourself to go through an experience that is designed to rearrange your neural pathways. So the last thing and a last piece of conviction is this on this is that is that ultimately we are all beings of pattern. There was a study that was done a long time ago uh, that was uh, the psychologists wanted to know how much of our day, how much of our time is unconscious. And they put what they, they were, how do we measure this? One of the things they did is they wanted to say, okay, what's a really, an activity that's really conscious, requires a lot of conscious energy and effort in the beginning, 
but becomes subconscious later. They said, well, that, that's easy. That's stick shift driving. <laughs> so what they did is they took two groups of people. The first group was people, they, and they put a, a brain, uh, hel- they put a helmet on that. I can't remember what it's called. It's like an EEG or, or uh, EKG, something like that, that measures where the brain activity is. And they did two groups, one of people learning stick for the first time and two of people who had, ne- uh, who had been driven for five years. What they found, I'll skip right to the chase, is that for our activity that we do on a daily basis, they did this in multiple other studies, not just the driving, but in other places as well, conversations, test take, all this stuff. They found that our activity, 85% of the time, is unconscious. What does that mean in terms of your life? It means that 85% of what you do, the conversations you have, the places you go to work, everything that you do in life is unconscious, which means your body is just driving without you knowing. And so if you don't invest in yourself to go into a new environment with new ideas, with new people, with energy, because change does not occur without an abundance of energy, I promise you decades will pass and almost nothing will change. So for me, that if it's that one action step, it's in, if this, if you are resonating and wanting to have a happier, fuller, wealthier, and when I say wealthier, I mean like in all areas of your life, not just money, life, invest in yourself, find an event, find a coach, find a program, whatever, to start moving you on this journey, because it will be, it will pay the greatest dividends in the rest of the journey of your life. Yeah. I mean, 1000%, you know, I agree with that. Of course. Uh, I love that. Alan, and I'm going to have all your links to things in the show notes. So anyone who wants to connect with you can, can find it there, but where's the best place for people to connect with you if they want to, you know, find you and, and talk a little bit more. Yeah. I would say the best places to hop on my Instagram and on my Facebook. I'm checking it frequently. I, uh, I hop in there on a daily basis to go take a look at, it. I love talking about this stuff as you can tell. So Instagram uh, and Facebook, those are the two places that you can come hit me up, friend me, follow me um, here to help and here to serve. Awesome. Alan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate you. All right, that's it for today. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode and enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. If you did and you want to show support, you can screenshot this and upload it to Instagram and tag me at Paul Leviton. You can share this episode with a friend or family member to spread the love and spread the knowledge. Or you can leave the show an honest rating and review on Apple, iTunes, or now Spotify as well. If you've made it this far, I sincerely thank you for being here and being along on this journey with me. Until next week, stay happy, stay healthy, my friend.